coming at you from Stretch Wolf Studio. It's that time again to reach across the internet. It's your very favorite Werewolf the Apocalypse podcast. As always, I'm your host, Porter. Sitting to my left, we have, once again in studio, he's back from his little walkabout, Danny the Dirt Walker Tyson. Hey, everybody. And hey, sitting in with us today, our special guest and good friend, Kaysen the Fisher King Snow. Kaysen, how's it going? Hey. <laughs> Not too bad. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, you know, you make it work. <laughs> How you doing, Kaysen? Oh, not too bad. Glad to be back. Oh, it's glad to have Hope you. you had- I'm sorry. Go- <laughs> Hope you guys had a good hiatus. Well, thank you. Thank you. Was, Appreciate uh, that. Yeah. Definitely necessary. We got a refreshed. Refreshed. We'll yeah. leave that, yeah. <laughs> refreshed, ready to go. And yeah. uh, actual plays. By this time, it is running. In, right. On its way. Hopefully everyone's enjoying that. We don't know, because... Schedules, man. Right? <laughs> we are ahead of the game. You know, we, we all hope you, we hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Um, for us, Halloween hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so, that's the space we're living in. <laughs> Talking about the past that hasn't happened in the future yet. We, we are now living in... We are coming from flux. Oh, flocks off. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. See, this is what you have to look forward to for the rest of the year. It's, it's werewolf-related humor. Hopefully. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Let's get a little business going then, huh? Uh, yeah, a little business. Nah, not a whole lot, though. I don't nah. bog everybody down too much. Also, we have no idea what the fuck's going on. <laughs> Just three months from now or whatever. Uh, <laughs> No, we want to say, you know, we're glad to be here again. Glad, uh, glad to have a uh, case in here. Who, again, uh, so we remind you to, if you haven't, check out the Savage Age. Werewolf the Savage Age. It's a, it's a beautiful sideline. Storyteller's Vault. Yep. And we've, as we've said before, the, the future of werewolf is in the past. And I feel like with current times, that's especially true. Yep. As far as us. You know the drill. If you like what you hear, um, if you're enjoying our actual play series, you enjoy the regular podcast episode, you're in a position to help, you know what to do. You head over to our Ko-Fi. By the time this airs, we might have some other avenues available too, but either way, they will be linked in the show notes or our website, which is rageacrosstheinternet.com. Dot com. Dot com. There we go. Hey, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Kazen. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand how that's become such a thing. <laughs> I love it, and it's never going to change. Oh, of course. I'll do it three three different voices. I don't give a shit. It's never going away. <laughs> it's the three Bs. It's fine. It is. It's like Dracula's. I don't know how that st- is still around, but... Because <laughs> that's funny. Is it still funny? <laughs> yeah. Yes. See? Okay, d- done. That's why then. <laughs> <laughs> But we are not talking about Dracula's today. No, no. Fuck oh. those guys. Although, funnily enough, I, <laughs> when doing research for today's topic, mm-hmm. I had also consulted the second edition player's guide and forgot I had done so. Would you think you were on something else? Yeah, I thought I was on the breed book still. Oh, boy. This is relevant because the section right after what we're talking about today happened to have been leeches. <laughs> So thinking I was still in the breed book, I'm like, what the fuck do abominations have to do with the Rokia? Weird. Which is what we are talking about today. 
Oh man, I can see why your head would just explode at that point. <laughs> right? I just I forgot that was the tab that was open. <laughs> and then yeah, next page abominations. What the fuck? Who's biting sharks? I mean, we all like seafood, but Christ, seafood. Funny you should ask. I thought you were actually going to say you were reading Blood Dim Tides, where they have the aquatic gangrel all fishmen swimming around. So that's where you get your abomination, Rokea. So they're actually a thing. I think I thought at first this was a joke. I intended it to be. I mean, I mean, it's a true story. Why was there an abomination <laughs> section in the Rokea book? There's not. I'm in the wrong fucking book, but. But there is another book that has Rokea abominations. Well, you know, yes. <laughs> and uh, we might touch down on that as, as we go. But I think there's there's some stuff to talk about today. Okay. Um, I know we talked, and obviously we were talking before the show. And, and we're in a weird position here. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we have uh, we have our buddy Case in here who is, I would say, pro-Rokea. That is correct. And Danny, you're kind of on the fence. I'm not. I'm not pro Rokea, but I'm. I don't hate him. <laughs> so that would, that would be the fence. Yeah, I'm on the fence. And and I, if I've got to pick a side, I'm kind of anti Rokea. Oh, you're, you're, well, that's clear. And I think we've made that very clear since like episode like 55. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him, and you know, I, I can back that up. In right. Not only can I back that up, but and we'll talk about this later too. I have a solution that I think would fix what I think is broken about them. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that too, as, yeah, as, as we will, I am sure, talk about some Savage A's perspective on them. Because why the hell not, right? Yeah, well, case is here, we're going to do that exactly. We should do that a day when right. when we don't have one of our weaponizing friends and just make a bunch of shit up. <laughs> what do you think, Casey? <laughs> you could, yeah, yeah. Just pretend that I have inside info and just make a whole bunch of bullshit up and like have you on the next episode to answer for it. Right, exactly. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I take notes so we can get into the next book. Right. Not only that, but if that's if we're heading in that direction with our recordings and how far ahead of we are, he's going to have to answer for things he hasn't heard yet. Like, no, no, no. This, this is it, right? Are that's even sure? better. That's even better. <laughs> I, you, you can hear right. now. You know the Savage Edge Kitsune. They're made of candy. Indeed, and it's delicious candy. Yep, see? see? We figured it out already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Ooh>. good start. <laughs> the candy's called Nine Tails. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, Rokia. Yes. You know, obviously, you know, the three of us with the different stances, I think that's going to help. You know, there's different perspectives. <laughs> but uh, as always, with, this, with the new Ferris series, we went through the second edition books because, uh-huh. again, they have the dedicated breed books, and that's more information normally. Normally. <laughs> wow, this book. Wow. Um, well, it, oh, man. <laughs> How do I even start? <laughs> this was rough. Yeah, it, I think it is, it is a rougher read, but I think that's part of the problem. And I think this is a weird place to start because now it feels like a book report. But so, like, I, I think it's go with the beginning with the guy, the, the guy in mandate for the Rokia is just to survive. Yeah. Which is. Doesn't help anything. It, <laughs> I, I think it's emblematic of the entire breed. <laughs> I'm trying to stay on the fence. <laughs> 
again, I'm I'm not here to beat up on them. It's just really not what I'm going to try to but, do. But but the book doesn't help that part, right? Because it is. It's in later editions. We they're you know, they're there to protect the seas, quote unquote. There, but you know they don't they don't focus on that. It's survive. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, little help case. <laughs> so the mandate the mandate suffers a bit from. Um, the laconicness of the Rokea themselves. They don't go into a whole lot of detail. You have to actually make your way all the way to the renown section where they flesh out the idea of surviving into more of the, it's not just the Rokea surviving. They're there to help see and Kun survive. They do that by fighting all of the tentacled gribblies that live in the sea and, and so on. So it, it, it takes a little while to get there. Well, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. It does. Right, but and, and, and I mean, I'm down with the Garu of the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact of the matter is, this planet is, is, mo- is there's a lot. There's a lot of water. Yes, I would say there's too much water. It's seventy five percent water. Isn't it's, it? it's a lot of percents. So, <laughs> yeah, there should be somebody looking out for the water because there's like fifty fucking changing breeds. Just chilling out on land. Yep. You know, everyone's got a different job, and then it's just the Rokia, and their mandate is, quote, survive. Like, mm-hmm. word that better, dude. <laughs> but... <laughs> and yeah, it's it's weird, because you can look at their uh, Kun's Law, which was essentially their litany. Right. It's just survive, It's, it's basically hang out. Yeah. Survive, hunt, spawn, swim. Yeah. The, the lifespan of a shark. Well, and, and I want... Well, let's be clear there. They are ageless. That was weird. Like they're not immortal, but they're ageless. Yeah. They so they're not gonna the times the, the timeline's not running out on that, right? And the rest of that litany is essentially just. I mean, it is it's survive. Yeah. You know, swim is just default. <laughs> You're in water. You don't have another option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the form of movement that happens yeah. in water. So move is part of their litany, right? And then eat and bang. <laughs> All of this is just being alive. This is not a hard set of rules to follow. So a way to look at it is, and, and I'll bring in a little bit of Savage Age here. Oh, please do. That oh, we'll jump around the, a lot. It's cool. The The Rokea came about, I'm going to say, like 350 million years ago. So sharks are 400 million years old. Um, something that we keep hammering on is that just because the animals come about doesn't automatically make them a shifter because they're a shifter in the modern nights. Guy has to have a reason for them to become a shifter or in this case, C. Yeah. We can just, we can just call our guy and not mess around with a weirdo lexicon. Okay. We'll get to that part. Yeah. Yeah. So 350 million years ago, the the sharks are uh, elevated, blessed, however you want to phrase it into a fair breed along with the core, which are shifters we created for the Savage Age, who are, they are the heralds of the of an apocalypse. The Rokea are the warriors that, that accompany the core, and they, they essentially are there to survive each apocalypse and make sure things are carried on, the, the Rokea do. So they came about in a time period where there were, where there wasn't, sapience in the world you know you didn't sit around and think deep thoughts so they're going to have these very simple directives that they maintain 
through an oral culture over 350 million years, and even more so because they tend to not breed with humans, and so bring in that, I hate to say level of intelligence, but that mode of thought. You know, they're a lot closer to like the red talons in, in mentality than other, you know, than any other guru tribe. No, I, I mean, I, I get that. And I, I can appreciate that at a level because yeah, they're, they're so divorced from surface culture, which is how I'm going to phrase that right <laughs> surface now. Surface culture. It's just what's in my heart. Leave me alone. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're so far divorced that there should be that um, simplicity. I can appreciate that on a in-game and universe level. But when I'm looking at a book... Yeah, that's supposed to give you the information? They don't... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't appreciate that out of my, my out-of-character information. Yeah. And uh, that was the purpose of these books, was to give us the information. Right. And, and I... You know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, but it's... um Yes, it's in the oceans, and they're the this entire world is 75% water, so we know so very little about the sea. Well, and, and see, here you go. See, now I'm cutting you off. Fuck off. <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> see, this this is something here. Is you know we, we talk about the, the vast amount of sea mm-hmm. on the planet. It's is enough. Yes. And there's so much we don't know about what's down there. Exactly. And and we you know you talk about horror. You know, like werewolf is savage horror. It's, it's yeah. It's that's that's in it's in there. It's in the tagline. But like for me, water is scary. Yeah, no one wants to drown. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I don't need a volume before I take a shower here. But, like, you know, I, I think back to Final Fantasy VII. Okay. Okay. This, this is going to stick with me here, okay? Okay. Case and you, you familiar with Final Fantasy VII? Yes, I have played it once or twice. Oh, yeah, I see. All right. <laughs> see, and, and I'm talking about Emerald Weapon. First of all, I feel uneasy, like, even in video games, with Underwater. When it's, there's the exploration part because it's dark and you don't know what's down there, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, I echo the dolphin. For, for, seriously, for a second, this would creep me out in some spots. I hate it for a second, Game Gear. Because it's like, Jesus Christ, what's about to happen? There's no way to know. I mean, there's aliens in that game, for fuck's sake, you know? You, uh, <laughs> it's underwater. We don't fucking know. Right? But, like, you know, yeah, like, um, Final Fantasy VII, you just, you're at the underwater reactor. And I remember there was this one point. Where I left that underwater dungeon, and there's Emerald Weapon. It's one of his spawn points just floating there, right there. And I'm like afraid to move because I didn't save my fucking game. <laughs> right? Like, oh my god, I'm gonna like move a pixel and get in this random encounter, and my game's gonna be over. I'm gonna lose however many hours. But the fact that it was just there and it just showed up and could be down there, you know, it's dark, there's low visibility, anything could be here. And that creeps me out. So it sounds like we're we're making the same point here, a, a little bit. But you know, uh, but that's what the thing is, is, is. And there is so much water. Phasmophobia, which is the fear of deep water and usually the open ocean, is actually the second most common fear. I had no idea. Look at that phobia in people. It's and actually, I've been doing a little research because I'm working tangent. I'm working on a Savage Seas book for the the Savage Age. So think of it as. Kind of a Rokea 2.0, but expanded to cover other threats and, and things like that of the waters. So I've been reading about this, and thassalophobia is a huge thing. It's it's almost genetic, you know, tied into the fear of the unknown. You know, early man, you didn't you had boats, but they were dugouts, so you didn't really go very far out into the water. It's just 
yeah, your people aren't designed to go out into the deeps. You can't see very well, and and it gets pretty scary. See, so I, it's it's not an uncommon thing. So well, see, we're all awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Now, now that said, seeing as you're going to be working, maybe maybe this will be helpful to you. I know because yes, we'll see. Now we're here. I want to talk about it. Now. Yep, it's fine. And it's... so maybe maybe this will be good. Maybe you'll like this. <laughs> All right. So if you, if you do, I, I want a special thanks in the book. But other than that, you, you go ahead. It's <laughs> <laughs> all he asks. It, it is all I ask. <laughs> um, just a little credit. You can do the rest. It's cool. But um, that's the thing. For my money, is like they don't really have anything to do. You know, I mean, we're we're talking about well, like a couple like Bane possessed lampreys or something. But like for my money, right? And this this comes to I, how I would quote fix the Rokia. Because I have a, and to preface it first, I, I have a problem, I've said it before, with a changing breed that, that half of the forms can't exist in the environment of the other. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> you, you can't shift a Hamid in the middle of the ocean and, like, survive that any more than they could, you know, go to, to fish lupus in Central Park and have that work out. You know, it seems nonsensical to me that, like, it's just bad design, Gaia. So, like, for me, what I would do is I would do, like, um, kind of like a Macaulay thing, uh, okay. where they could dream up their, their different forms, and it would be shark plus whatever. And and there's almost like a little Buana Beast thing. I've mentioned Buana Beast mm-hmm. before. I fucking love Buana Beast. Uh, <laughs> those of you who don't know that, that's the superhero who can take one animal and another and combine them. <laughs> So you can take a horse and a spider and make like a tarantula mustang. <laughs> it's super weird, but it's it, that's why I love it because it's like, what is this? Yeah, and why? Right. But so like, but and I'm doing this on a serious level, right? So I you see t- where you're going. You, with you it, take yeah. like a squid and the shark, and so one form is the squid form, one form is the shark form, and then there's the crinos that's like the dreamed up crino shark with the tentacles. I'm not a fan of the dreaming up, but I see why you're going. Well, this I'm way. using That's dreaming up in quotes. I, I, I get it. I, I see why you're taking um, it this way. It's and fine. then what their purpose would be, and again, it's that you keep them as like the Garu of the sea, but you know, you link it to like the deep Umbra because there's so much down there that we don't know about. There's got to be these like Lovecraftian horrors, and you know, you don't you know what you see a lot of in in underwater is Weaver tech. You know, right? I mean this. This is a place that is festooned with wild and weaver, or wild and worm. Excuse me. Yes, those are your options. You're, there's not. There's not a whole lot, right? There's not a Best Buy in the Mariana Trench, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not a thing you got to worry about. So it makes sense to me that the gauntlet down there's got to be paper fucking thin. I want to, again. I see why you're going yeah, this way. So and I all like sorts it. of deep umbra monstrosities could be down there. <laughs> like you look at the. Um, the, the Nightmare Gods from Urkama? Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, I fully plan on the Savage Seas to have all of... It's going to be festooned with tentacled and rugos enemies. Um, the Chilvoria will make an appearance. And I, I actually have some ideas as to what a weaver is going to be doing in the seas. And see, that's and cool, but the, but I mean, like, obviously, it can't be a hotbed for Weaver activity. Right. Right. No, no, no. Starting Definitely out. the Weaver is going to be third fiddle of the triads. Basically, it's going to be fighting sort of a 
a losing battle to stabilize C, to try and make C unsee and not do very well at it. <laughs> sure. Okay. I mean, definitely. I like that point. Because, <laughs> because it's so, I mean, because the ocean and, you know, conjures up so much of this, you know, imagination and timelessness or the lack of time at all. You know, it, it can draw on so many things and it's just, it's going to be more, I'm going to lean heavier, more heavily into horror aspects of the sea and calling up the new genre that's called the oceanic weird, which is horror stories set in the ocean and about post-humanism, you know, what, what is a body, you know, that's made up of water in a body of water kinds of things. See how that sounds pretty rad. Yeah. See, I, I can push one side of the fence of the other here. So yeah, I mean, it is, it's that does sound it's like, uh, I'm not unfair. I'm not a monster. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not unfair. I just didn't like a thing. And, and there I go, and I give us, and there it is, was my solution to make it better, is to remove the human element, you know, and focus on, and like Kaysen's talking about, all this is really cool shit that you can do in the unknown of the ocean. Yeah, because it is, it, it is unknown, so you have that creative license, I guess, to come up with that. And, right, goes- and, there's, and there's plenty of weird biology down there to begin with, that, you know, coming up with new and weird things isn't going to be that far from what is already known. Right? Yeah. And it goes back to the problem with the book is we don't have the information. They don't give us a whole lot in this book because the oceans are so vastly unknown. But this is the book to do that. This is the book to give us the information. Well, that's true. And, and, and uh, to back that up, um, you know, there are references in the in that book to like other underwater life. They straight up talk about mer people, and and they never like come back to that. I knew where you were going. You know, I knew it. They straight up see mermen, and then never explain. Yeah, they never explain. Like, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like all the wildlife, the seas, and the fish, and the mermen. And what? What do you mean, mermen? Back up! <laughs> I've never heard about this before or again. Maybe it's in a right, book. I've it never shows seen. up in. Blood dim tides, the merfolk and their changelings. I'm gonna just leave it right there. And and that's fair, but that's more that's more than they gave us in the Rokeem book. So for me, right. that's the first time I'm hearing it. Right. Because again, uh, yeah, these is a changeling thing. Right. And so it's like, what but, the fuck yeah. are you talking about? How do you just leave that and walk away? Yeah, but for a read book, this would have been the book to explain most of that. Right? Like, I'm less interested what the Rokia think about the Red Talons or the Shadow Lords, mm-hmm. and more interested to hear about these fucking people because they live down there with the people. Right. They don't live up top with the Garu. We don't need to hear what they think about them. And exactly. There's there's so little interactions between the Rokia and hell, we're not even going with Garu. It's so little interactions with any other Pharaoh. Oh, absolutely. Because it's not just, a, I mean... It's Werewolf the Apocalypse, so Garu should be the first thing we talk about. In, but, Which but is yeah. why we do this podcast. But it turns yes. out. <laughs> but yeah, like anything that's on land, they don't. It, it's not their business. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Everyone's going to have their own different games and stuff, and sure, you can write that in there. But like, we're, we're t- I know I'm trying here. <laughs> we're, we're trying to stay. <laughs> so go on. I didn't say anything. I know I you didn't. You didn't have to. Word. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> We're going off the lore here. We're going off what it says. 
And it says there are so very little interactions between the Rokea and any of the Vera. Well, period. And into the point to back that up, you know, this is this is a, a changing breed that hunts down and murders. Yeah. Rokia who choose to do the little mermaid thing and uh <laughs> you know, come come to land. Yep. There's a better way to phrase that. I there was a song about it. I just I don't Nope. 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 No, there wasn't. No, the I mean was. I wasn't gonna sing. I just I don't know what the song was called. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have what do they call them? The in-betweeners? The betweeners? Yeah. yeah. So they live mainly on land, but they only go back to the sea. Yeah, to get their gnosis. To but get but gnosis. But it's the thing. They're, they're, like, they're of, considered, quote, of the worm. Not of the worm, but the term that they use of for, of the worm. Is it, is it coral? Is that coral, the one? Coral, yeah. Is corals the worm? Right, but, yeah. But, you know, like, they, they're hunted. They're, like, they're, because they're accused, they're, they're accused of, like, abandoned going AWOL. Yeah. So they get hunted down and murdered. So you have to jump in the water, get your noses back, and jump back out. You got to go into the sea and then back out. <laughs> that, that is weird. That was so weird that yeah they they hunt down the betweeners. Yeah. Originally, in just going by the breed book here, we'll get to the savage age in a second. Originally, the betweeners were more tolerated, and they were used to train young Rokea. It was kind of like um, playing tag. You would send out the young Rokea from the ocean, from sea, after these betweeners to try and drag them back into sea and rejoin the Rokea. But there was really no, you know, there's no like hierarchy or, or structure to their society. So you bring them back into the into sea and you say, hey, you have to stay here. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And they just go back to do their, their betweener thing. And everyone was okay with it. But it really wasn't after until after the Turna'a event where you had this massive destruction of your culture that the Rokea that were left were like, all right, these guys are way too consorting with humans. Now we're going to start killing them. So it was this, you know, this giant cultural disruption that caused the, the change in the way they perceived the, the betweeners. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's, again, it's, it's I don't have a problem with them having their own, in fact, I, I think it's good that it's it's very different and it's very separate, you know. But that's the thing is, is it is so separate that it it really needs more attention than I think it was given. Yes, and I, and I, I think agree. they spent a lot of time not explaining. Well, not not explaining, but um, especially for <laughs> there's contradictions there, you know. Like you, you get this high road shit that you see with a lot with all of the all of the breeds. Let's mm. face it, everything that's not Garu. You know, where, where they start bagging on the Imperium <laughs> and how the Gauru are terrible. Yeah. Although, you know, they also say in the quote, there was the mis- our mistake uh, was not in not watching the humans more closely. Like, they're anti-Imperium, but all through that book, they're like, fuck humanity. But again, humans are on land. Well, well, but, you know, obviously the polluting the sea, there's like, there's, there's plenty yeah. of events. And they talk about those events, but I think maybe they talk about them too much and in too much detail. For a society who works with sea, unsea, and oversea. You see what I mean? Oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) It just just all seems inconsistent. It's very inconsistent. But Uh, then it goes back to what Kaysen said, how they're like, they're closer to the red talons. Right. And like, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But again, then when you go back to, well, then we had these submarines that we had to take care of. and Stop it. Stop being that articulate. If you're going to play caveman, play caveman. Crado. If you're going <laughs> to give me the information, give me the information. Yeah. But make up your mind. This comes back to uh, White Wolf's decision to do everything's delivered in first person. You know, if, if you want the details on things, I, I can't have an unreliable narrator telling me things. Because then you have these disjunctions between, you know, where you know, we swim, we eat, we reproduce, and that's us. But now we're going to go out and fight these submarines, which don't really bother us. You know, they're just they're just cans we open and take care of it. The thing I've complained about since the very beginning is writing everything in first person. So sorry, no, I don't apologize for. It. Yeah, no. They, 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 welcome to the show, man. She's yeah. fucking yeah. Chime in with that stuff. That's good. <laughs> but I, but uh, I agree. I 100 percent agree. It's oh man it's no it's it's frustrating it's very frustrating yes well and then you know i you, for me you want to add to that is the fact that there's a book game in this fucking book almost like it was just like filler to complete it no i see i don't think that's the case okay um you know first of all y'all know how i feel about book games like i'm already irritated mm-hmm. right but <laughs> they I, you know i think they felt that they had to include this book game because they didn't do a good enough job explaining what the fuck the Rokia do all day. <laughs> so, like, you needed that to provide that greater context. And at the same time, you shouldn't have needed that to provide a greater context. That's, yeah, that's going back to my original point. Like, I see the necessity of it, but I'm irritated that that necessity exists. Yeah. The fact that they had to do it that way is the bummer. Yeah. Because the book, it's here. We have it. We read it. It's a lot of non-information. Like I, I almost would have rather they do another um, another supplement, maybe even a, a spin-off core book called like Rage Across. Or um, I'm sorry, you know the Rage. We're going to need a bigger boat or something. <laughs> Rage Across. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> yeah, you know, and just deal with the underwater of underwater Gaia and all of that. You know, like, I don't want to say a core book, but maybe like a player's guide size, size supplement, but they that didn't happen. No, but it's, again, it's the yeah. water and we know so little of it. Right. But here again, go back to, this is the book to give it to us. Should have been. I mean, I know we don't do book reports, but I mean, we're, we're talking, this was our primary source for the mm-hmm. episode and it wasn't super helpful. No. And, and this was, you know, all of these... Complaints are, are what I was trying to address in the player's guide and will hopefully address in Savage Seas is this whole, you know, trying to get away from a setting within a setting and have the Rokea have reasons to go out on land. And, you know, the Betweener War started in 1981 or whatever, the wherever they said it was in the in the breed book. I have the Betweeners as they're literally go-betweens between the human kinfolk of the Rokea and the Rokea themselves. They're, they're not only like envoys and diplomats, but they're also the prime fetish makers because they spend time on land and have access to materials that the Rokea don't necessarily have access to in the water. Okay. That's a good idea. And so it was, like I said, it was constantly on my mind to, to get the Rokea from being just this isolated group of shifters all on their own to why did they interact? How would they interact? I even go back to the the time of the Dragon Kings. 
you know, the, the, the Mokale are ruling over everything with an iron fist. The Rokea are like, yeah, screw that. And, and the Rokea are the, you know, the archetypal barbarians at the gates. You know, they're the ones that refuse to be subjugated by these slave empires on land. And I even, I'll, I'll tease a little bit. I even court, take it out to the, you know, the, the Rapax are some of these Mokale that become the Korax and Rokea remember because they're so long lived that there are some Rokea out there that remember this. And in the Savage Age, the Rokea do not like the Korax because they know that they are part of these Mokale kingdoms and they are not going to attempt to enslave the Rokea ever again. So Korax, right out. You get on the water, you're munched. Hmm. Interesting. I don't even know how to react to that. It's like, well, like, it's, like it's the one time the, the free pass didn't take. <laughs> Like the, the one breed that doesn't let the Korax off the hook. That's crazy. <laughs> Sweet. I guess so. We make I, that I joke all the time. Well, is it a joke? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not really. Like the Korax are, in fact, guys free pass. They get away with everything. Until now. <laughs> right. <laughs> there are so many things I want to say. Well, say them, because no. we have a show. Oh, I, I can't. <laughs> why not? Because I can't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I did want to, you know, to talk back about how they're like, they, you know, they're very divorced from everything else. Yeah, from everything else from the surface world, which is fine and makes sense. I'm we're on board with that. But you know, again, and I and I have to point it out. I mentioned it. I got to point. They they talk about the Imperium. Yeah. You know, of course they do. They, they, they. Why would they care? Well, yeah, but of course, you know, and this is this is this isn't so much related. But it, you know, we've talked about this time and time again. The the insistence of high roading the Garu mm-hmm. in their own game on every occasion, e- even the species that has nothing to do with the land yeah. has to high road the Garu about this shit. How dare you! Right, and then again to spend the rest of the book going fuck humans. <laughs> it's like you were the one who were against the. Mm. Yep. Yeah, nope. I see Ooh. it. Suck it, Charlie Tuna. Charlie Tuna! <laughs> oh my. I've lost radio contact! Yeah, Danny. Danny needs a minute to collect himself. Okay, alright, alright. So, I, I thought you were going a different way with that, and I, I lost myself. Got it. No, sorry. Like, it's just it's one of those things. I, I get you. I, I understand where you're coming from, and it's hard to be on board <laughs> with their side, not your side. Your side's very easy. <laughs> you, you've made very compelling arguments. I try to. Now, now looking at the Savage Age, though, right? you know, uh, I hope, I guess I should ask, maybe we cut hope, maybe that's the wrong way to do We'll see. But we're going to, um, um, are we going to get a, uh, like a, I guess a better, I don't want to see, I'm deeper, sure, but better look deeper. into, yeah, I know, that's why <laughs> I didn't want to, um, into Rokia culture. Because, I mean, I you know, you look through the breed book, right? And what do you learn? Right. Is you learn that, um, okay, well, you know, they have their their groups, uh, their slew, you know, three to ten members and sometimes normal sharks and mm-hmm. they're great. We know that they don't have cairns. No, they have conk grottos. 
But they don't have cairns. Right. They have a thing called a grotto, but that's not a cairn. No. You know, it's, so it's, we learn a lot of what they don't have, <laughs> but what do they have? <laughs> Are we going to learn? I, I address a bit of it in Player's Guide, but definitely in Savage Seas, I I kind of want to do that as like a Rokea breed book 2.0. Okay. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. That's a cool tagline. Nicely done. Right. Is, is, there, any so, ch- is there any chance that there might be a psychic rapport with D. Wallace? <laughs> Possibly. It was just four. Part four. I know. Okay. I think you've told me that before. I think it might have been on the last time we talked about the Rokea. Maybe, but I know you've made that joke to me specifically. And I know you're trying to make other jokes, but you're purposely going way around to do these instead. I am trying to trick you into losing the bet, is what's happening. That's been so close. <laughs> so full disclosure for the audience. <laughs> Before this aired, the three of us made a little bet is to not mention a particular property. I'd tell you what it is, but I don't want to lose the fucking yeah, bet. Yeah, but you'll lose. <laughs> So I'm, I'm currently trying to trick Danny, and I feel confident enough that I can that I'm openly saying it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so difficult. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Please continue. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I lost where I was. Casey, oh, what shoot. are you doing? <laughs> Bail us out here, man. <laughs> Well, we uh, we were just talking about potential plans for um, expanding the the information available on the society of the Rokea. What and and like I mentioned in Savage Seas, I plan on writing about what they are and rather than what they are not, because I I think C could be a fascinating setting within a setting. I also really want to tie it into the rest of the property because it is. Indeed, werewolf, the apocalypse, and we have all of these pharaoh on land. I don't want to create a bunch of pharaoh of the sea. Creating new pharaoh really makes my teeth itch hmm. um, for the most part. That's impressive. So, so I have some plans for other, not necessarily shapeshifty, but humanoidy things in the waters. And that's, see, again, I'm, I'm down with that. And I'm with you on the, the Morphera. You know, I mean, I'm not the president of the Pro-Fera Union, but I don't. What? I know. It's crazy. But, you know, they're the ones that I think, they're a Fera I, I like, but it's. it's Yes. I know what you're saying. It's the how and why is, is, a, big, is a big thing for me. Yeah, the sea again. Good answers for either of those. There's a problem, right? But again, the sea. You know, it is. It's. It's so vast. And there's so much potential there, and so like I'm. I'm totally down with maybe not more Pharaoh, but to to add to the lore of that and to make it more relevant. I think is a good idea. You know, like look, it's. It's again. We we know I'm not a fan of the of the sharks. And it's not even Rokia. Even I'm not even. You know, I know millions of people. Like sharks. Yeah. Like shark week and people freak out. And I'm just like, whatever, man. I'm, I don't I like never, seafood. Uh, <laughs> like I have a friend, I have a friend, she's obsessed with sharks. And like, that's the best week of her entire year. All right. And we'll take the, take the Macaulay too. Like, I don't care about dinosaurs. And I know I'm in the minority there. That 
damn people go nuts over Jurassic Park. Right. And I just, I don't see the appeal. It's a personal thing. So it's, it's harder for me to, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a harder sell already. I, I already don't care, but I do acknowledge the potential and, and even the necessity to cover it when we, when we're talking about something like the world of darkness because of the, all of the potential that setting the unknown of the water in the, the vast, the amount of it. You know, if we have 300,000 Farah, you know, just, just, just to hang out in like Texas. <laughs> and then so you count. You have just the one for all of the water. Yeah. Yeah. The 75% of water that makes up the world and only one Farah is down there. Right. You know, I don't know if that does, I don't think the solution is more Farah because again, that's just extra bloat, I think. But. Yes. I see the direction you're going and yeah. why. So, like, shockingly, despite me not necessarily being a regular Long John Silver, I, uh, <laughs> which is the idea which I just now realized is the second Farrah episode in a row where Long John Silver's has been brought up. We are not sponsored, people. Um, <laughs> sponsored by Long John Silver? We're not sponsored by Long John Silver. Don't let Danny fool you. <laughs> It just is a coincidence that it has been chips brought up. for lunch. <laughs> That's two in a row. I know it hasn't aired yet, Kaysen, but Long John Silver got brought up during Gerhal. It was weird. <laughs> What's their fascination with the fish, the river ones? I know. That's why I said it was weird. And everyone knows that, because by the time this airs... <laughs> but of Savage Seas, I think, you know, despite the fact that I'm a hard sell on this concept at all, I think it's it's definitely necessary. I think it's a really good idea. It's a super exciting because again, we're getting the information that we don't have now. Right, and I'm confident that you guys will present it in a way that doesn't make me seasick. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not proud you know, of that one. <laughs> if I would have done it, I would have got a whole fuck off, Tyson. Yeah, yeah, you would have. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. It had to be done, though. It's like that asshole when you're playing Monopoly. He goes, if this were real money, we'd be rich. <laughs> and every game's got it. Every, every Someone has to say it every game. Yep. <laughs> I think Kaysen left. He's still mad at the seasick joke. Yep, yep. <laughs> still recovering from that one, yeah. It was all very complimentary before that, too. <laughs> the best part is, well, and no one's ever going to know it except me, the face you made when you said it, like, I know what I'm about to do is really stupid, but I have to say it. Oh, it's like, it's just, it's out of my hands. God damn it. <laughs> the things we do for art. Right, it was like existential dread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let's talk a little bit about their uh, auspices. Sure, that's it. There we go. There's a jump. Well, there's only three. Well, it's all. Right? <laughs> you, you got bright water, dim water, dark water. Well, yeah, and it's because it's relative to the, the illumination of the ocean depths when they're born. Yeah. Just put a flashlight <laughs> under there and it's, you know. <laughs> Making whatever you want. Yep. <laughs> so I'm still, I, oh, I still can't control my laughter here. He's down. Danny's, Danny's over. Oh, okay. My goodness. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. But yes, 
bright water, dark water, dim water, again, all in the perspective of the moon and or sun, depending on. But, like, you have, with the bright waters, they're the warriors. Which, to be fair, much like the Garu, they're all fucking warriors. Yes. And that's and that's kind of the point I was bringing up, is if they're meant to be the protectors of the sea, why are there two other auspices at that case? Well, I mean, I think the argument is, why does that auspice exist? That should just be implicit. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. But then you have the dark waters, which are like the new moon mystics and the seers. But everything else in between those is the dim waters. The dim water auspice sharks. However you want to put that. When I say everything else in between those, those are the lawmakers and explorers. How weird is that that the ones that have the most are the ones that are the lawmakers? Well, lawyers make good money. Yep. You're right there. Thank you, Porter. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones out on the streets. <laughs> I would have liked to be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. when they put this together. Oh, when they decided that the Rokea are a pharaoh? Well, sure, but... And we need, now that we decided they're a pharaoh, we need to make a book about it? Yeah, the, the whole process, because um, yeah, we, we've been touching down on this here and there this entire time. Is it is it's the discrepancies between, um, for lack of a better term, simplistic nature of the Rokia. Not stupid, but simplistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the concepts they are integrating in. Okay. <laughs> this could have been played up more in the book. I, Porter, I think you bring up a really good point that all of the Farah are traditionalists and have very conservative cultures. Perhaps the Rokea even more so because they're so long-lived and, you know, don't have that human influence. They could have played this up a lot more that Rokea culture is super, lack of a better term, simple because of all of these, you know, sort of factors that keep it locked into what it, what it always was. Then you have the dim waters who are your fetish makers and they, they explore, they go out, bring back new ideas. It all ties into the Rokean noun system as well. You know, they're, they're tied into the, the invention or innovation or whatever that aspect is called of their auspice or of their renown. And you could, you know, they're bringing in all these new ideas and everyone else is going, no, that's not the way we've always done it. And there you have some tension even within Rokea culture itself. It's no longer the, just this giant monolith of swim, screw, and eat. You know, we've been doing this show a while. I bring Because we're both sitting here nodding, is the mm-hmm. thing, case. <laughs> we've been doing this show a while. We're aware we need to use words. We can't just nod at the guy who's not here. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and like, even if we could, if you... The audience can't hear us nod, so yeah. we have to use words. We, Jesus Christ, us. Um, <laughs> I, I, back to Kazen, yeah, yeah, we absolutely agree, and like it's it's good information. Well, and I think it's it, it can be an interesting dynamic, and I believe that through the course of the player's guide or through Savage Seas, that kind of idea, those those kind of ideas could can be. And in fact, they probably won't because Savage Age. Mm-hmm. Because of the era. Actually, so fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But, you know, I, I just, I, I feel like that wasn't represented super well through the book, that, that dynamic. No, it wasn't. Which is why I'm excited for what Kaysen has in mind. Right. Because we get that. And this, and this can actually be carried into the Savage Seas a little ways. Um, I traditionally, in my head, I end the Savage Age around 10,000 BCE, so the start of the, of the Neolithic period. You have, you know, farming and cities and anthropomorphic gods and all of that ridiculousness. The Pacific Ocean wasn't populated by people until like 5,000 BCE. So there's a long time where all of these islands are not inhabited by people. Well, so I, that's going to be one of the storylines that continues out because the Savage Age continues until officially until about 1500 BCE, so into the Bronze Age. That's when people really start moving out into the Pacific Islands, and you can have this tension then between finding new places and having new things and the, the old, old ways coming into conflict. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's all relative at that point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. So you, you bring your regular point. And, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It is like the time. I, obviously, I was. Um, yes, actually, that's great. So we can look forward to that. It sounds like I'm really going out of my way to, to like want to give them a chance. And I absolutely do not owe it to the fucking Rokia. No, but. I'm not unfair. I was going to say, but at least you have reasons and explanations. I, I still say the Hamid form was a mistake. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's my idea, so of course I like it. <laughs> but come on, you got you to admit there's got to be some merit to that idea of, you know, picking the different water forms and just leaving the human part out of it because that's covered. Yeah, what if you just took Hamid altogether out? Well, that's what I was saying. That's what I would do is I would cut it out entirely. You, you do your shark form, your other aquatic Monster, form. yeah. Yeah, you know, you have your list, you know, your, here's, here's a manatee, here's a seal, here's a... What if you don't even need that? You don't have to have them changing to a different breed. No, but I like the idea of, again, giving them some variety. Because if we're cutting out the human element, mm-hmm. what is the crinos form? Okay. That that direction, okay. So, you know, you add, like, the tentacles or the tusks or, you know, some kind of element like the macole where mm-hmm. they could. I know that's not what's happening. It's just what I would have done. You know, and I am trying, trying to get some validation that that shit has merit. <laughs> I would consider it perhaps as a series of gifts, but let me let me think on it. Obviously, Savage Seas is not coming out next month, so there's there's plenty of time for me to noodle on it and just kind of let it sit there and stew. Well, I'm not, and, and I mean, if you do, if you like that, eating room with it, that's amazing and great. I'm not even trying to sell you on it in so far like is to put it in a book. Is as much as I just want a little validation that it's not a dumb idea. No, and and you could play up. Um, you could even play, you know, division once again divisions within the culture. Do you you as a Rokea more favor squiddy tentacly things, and you associate then with coral, or do you assimilate more fishy things, and you're then tying yourself more tightly to kun? Exactly. Or do you have claws? Or do you go the mammal route, and you're sort of this weird outlier because um, fur yuck. <laughs> right well and then yeah then you look at like the uh you added that you had like the to the crustaceans you know are you are you the shark version with the with the lobster claws like underwater weaver 
Okay. Oh. Or covered with, you know, instead of denticles, you have all sorts of little shell protrusions and things, you know, or. Right. I'm just saying yeah, it's, what, it's what I would do to quote fix them. Because again, I, I've always had a base problem with the idea that, mm-hmm. that, their form, that the forms of the Rokia cannot exist in each other's environment. Right. Why would Gaia create a hominid form for an animal that doesn't go on land if it can help it at all. And vice versa. And moreover, one that cannot survive underwater. Right. It's like its forms are lethal to itself. (laughs) Not only that, but it would only switch to those forms in their respected environments. Well, holy shit, I didn't even think about this until right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Could you imagine knocking out, like fighting a Rokia on land? Mm-hmm. And knocking him out, he will revert to his breed form and, that's exactly and die. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly why I'm thinking that because nope, I can't go that far. But <laughs> yeah, you, you not yet. Yeah. Oh, actually God. a right to address that problem. But see, like there shouldn't have to. How about just don't? Yeah, do saying, that. You then need to. It's such a woefully terror. It's, it's such a design flaw. This creature was made in Mistake Town. That's what I am saying. Yeah. So, so you have well, this the, the in-betweener. They, they spend most of their life on land, right? But he right. has to do something where he's he's got to fix a problem or whatever the, the MacGuffin is. And he's got to go to his Krinos form. He can't do it unless he's got water. Well, surely the Rokian Krinos form can breathe on land as well. I mean, yes. but I'm 90% sure that he's amphibious in all forms. Oh, in the uh, his standing jaws, the Kranos form. So, it, so okay, there you go. Then, and and I feel like that can't be right. Oh, it can't. I, I'm 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 not saying that. Like, and if if it is, then we we have missed this mm-hmm. in our research, and shame on us. But like, that just doesn't make sense. Well, I, I think the whole from from a gameplay perspective, mm-hmm. that sounds wrong. That's where I'm going with it. And it also a lot to do with trying not to lose the bet. <laughs> well, they, okay, so just, I just looked it up. They don't actually mention whether or not Kranos form can breathe air, but they talk about the betweeners losing their tails in that form. So you would think that could breathe air. So, yeah, it's just use a little editing. Yeah, I would imagine, like, because that is the, the hybrid form of the two, I would have just naturally, I just naturally assumed that it can do both. Like, like an Aquaman scenario. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but that, you know, the, the human, obviously the Hamid form is essentially a human. I mean, you're not human, but it's, that yeah. is a human form, and that does not have gills. That will die. Right. He will drown and die in the water. And the, the, the Hispo and Krinos fish forms cannot breathe air. So who got right. fired? Right. Usually like, who lost their job when they put together the Rokia? Not a lot was given. Not a lot of thought was. I, <laughs> I get why it was done. Again, sharks are, are popular. And, yeah, and the obviously. Apex predators of the water. And yeah. obviously because <laughs> of the water, they need to be. This covers that question. I get it. Just I think maybe it wasn't followed through. It wasn't optimized, maybe. The concept was not optimized. Casey, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, no, no problem. There's two things. One, they have the Rokea because I think one of the guiding, original guiding principles was to have each pharaoh had to have shape-shifting legends about them in real-world lore as well. So that's why you have the, the spiders, you know, Anansi, and you have lots of shark gods in the Pacific, and even in, in Europe, um, there's Greek legends about people turning into sharks. Which is, I'm sure, where they got the idea from. It, yes, uh, definitely they hit the Polynesia mythology book somewhere, which is, you know, why it's so focused on the Pacific. I think it would be a very different book if they just stuck with the Greek legends, which one was... You know, Zeus wanted to sleep with a woman named Lamnia, and Hera got jealous and turned Lamnia into a shark. Just why you now have the Laminids, which are a group of sharks. Um, that's where that name came from. Another one was a Greek guy was like, "Hey, I'm beautiful. I'm even more beautiful than Aphrodite." And Aphrodite said, "No, you're not. You're a shark now." Well, to to be fair, seventy five percent of Greek mythology is Zeus wanted to bang someone one time. I was. <laughs> I- I, I was actually true. talking to someone about it, and they were like, is this is this about Zeus wanting to sleep with someone? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> is. Again, about 75%. Right, and then another 10, per, 10 to 20% is people saying they're better than Aphrodite. Right. And not necessarily yeah. Aphrodite, but often Aphrodite. You know, you know right. that, that, that's something I kind of always appreciate. This is not related, but I don't care It's anymore. fine. Yeah, I don't, it's my show. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something that's something I've always loved about the Greek mythology, though, is that it, it's just largely the gods are super bored and just screw with humanity. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. I, I love it. It, <laughs> it, it's, it makes so much sense. Like, if I had to vote on a mythology being the right one, it would be that one. <laughs> that the gods are just bored and just fucking with us because they're bored and we're like TV. <laughs> and they're just people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's proven a lot. It's like, here, don't open this. Yeah, box. I'm sure Zeus yes. has his toga on one arm at a time, like everyone else. <laughs> yep. Why did you say open this box? <laughs> yeah, no. He's like, hey, no, hey. here, Pandora, you just don't don't open this box. And then, meanwhile, everyone's up and only just going ten to one. She does it in an hour. Yeah, like they're taking bets taking on how quickly. Bets, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. It just because, like, we can bring it to sharks a little bit like the, the Percy Jackson series, the book series. Okay. They're all essentially children, but they're children of Greek gods. So they're the demigods, Percy Jackson <laughs> being the, one of the sons of Poseidon. Yes. Yeah, thank you. The, the Greek God of Poseidon. So that the, the whole story is kind of more mostly about him, but it just, it's what can these kids do? Let's just watch. It, We'll throw a little uh, little action down and see how they take care of that. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's just it's Greek mythology in a nutshell. It's it's funny. I used to read those when I was younger. See, but see, then we go back. We were back in the water. Though. Yes, I, I tried. <laughs> I, I get you the rest of the way. Back in the water, nice. I mean, better than on the streets. So, so yeah, going back to the water. You know, the we we have again so much potential. And we talk about how, you know, there, there's not exactly a hotbed of weaver activity down in the water. Mm-hmm. Between the wild, especially in the Savage Age, and, and the worm activity, 
while we are ripe with potential, we, we don't have a whole lot of examples of shit that is down there. No. And, you know, like, again, it, it brings you back to that idea of, you know, those, those ancient horrors, you know, the idea of maybe linking back to, um, you know, little pockets here and there, linking back to, to the deep umbra. Oh, yeah, because if the gauntlet can't be that. No, no it's got to be like nothing. Exactly. And, I mean. and moreover, we, we look at the, the Arkama and all the examples of those, the Stesians of the, the deep umbra trying to breach and find their way to, to the realm. Right, like through those dark caves and stuff. And yeah, and so certainly underwater would be a, be a potential um, Very target. Easily. I mean, am I, am I talking, not, is it crazy talk case? It's not going to be a potential target. It is a target. So in the Savage Seas, um, my plan was to not have any gauntlet down in the deep trenches of the oceans, where you can just go right from physical water to an umbral, to the deep umbral realm, which is where the nightmare gods live, which is where all the tentacled horrors live, at least originate. So yeah, there's going to be lots of, I, I really want to play with the whole the worldly nature of water. Good. No, that that sounds outstanding. You know, I, I love that idea, especially and and again how how creepy you could make that because you know we we know about the the absence of light as we get further down. Mm-hmm. You know, and like those fish that are just essentially skeletons, like little light bulbs coming out of their fucking skull. <laughs> I mean, you know, like and all that yeah. shit. You know, it's like, hey, it's down there. Like, hey, this doesn't have eyes because why would it need them? Because there's no light, right? You know, so you get shit like that, and then there's you know. Suddenly some tentacles or some weird beast with like a thousand rows of teeth. And it's just a maw of suffering that leads you into some umbral realm of goddamn. Who knows what? Yeah. Who knows what? You know, there's like just 12. It's like Hellraiser. There's like 12 pinheads in there somewhere. I love that idea because it's like a nightmare wrapped in another nightmare. Yeah. And that's fantastic. It's so deep and dark. And that's. We don't fucking know, so you have all the creative licenses in the world to do something. Right, and I'm not just going to, uh, you know, I'm definitely not going to just play with the vertebrate things that are in there. You know, I even just remember reading in the Rokea book, they mentioned a whole group of anemones that aren't that weren't shifters, but they were almost anthropomorphic anemones. They were servants of Quirrell. So you have... You've got all sorts of crazy things down there, you know. Back to anemones, they've got their little uh, darts they shoot out to poison fish to paralyze them. They they travel at ridiculous speeds. It's just the biology of them alone you could play up for really good body horror down there. (laughs) I'm I'm glad he's got a direction he's going because... It, it very much feels like the breed book it didn't. Well, I'll agree with that, and I think yeah, definitely case. And you, you've got um, and I'm I'm sure I won't win Porter completely over, but if he'd read it and be like, yeah, this isn't too bad. Well, like, no, you know, I will obviously give it a chance. Um, but one, it's Savage it, Age. Two, it's Case and Snow. Right, like those are two <laughs> perfectly good reasons to give the thing a read. You know, um, but yeah, again, I'm not a I'm not a fucking monster. I. You know, like, I, I read the fucking Rokia book. It's not my fault that it is how it is. But, you know, like, I, I do the research. And, again, like, uh, as, as, I, as I mentioned before, it wasn't. it's not just I don't like it. 
It's I don't like it, and this is what I would do to improve it. Right. You know, I'm not under fucking contract over here, but but this does sound, you know, case and what, what you're what you're spinning to us right now sounds definitely something that's far more on what I would say the right track. Now, there's never going to be a world where I'm going to sit here and endorse the idea of putting Rokia in your game within your Garu pack. No, that world is never going to exist. You know, I I like that gives me hives. Right. No, no, no. I, I 100% agree that the, the amount of hoops you'd have to jump through would be beyond a circus. I, it, yeah. <laughs> right. It would be ridiculous. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're out there. Well, of course, everything is out there. Everything is out there. Let's yeah. just, let's just, you know, it, it exists. Um, and it is, I mean, but it's especially true for the Rokia. You know, there, there are certain, I mean, I would say the Naga also, mm-hmm. you know, outside of, outside of a Hengi-Yokai game, and that's a different thing. And yes, we know about the Semabito. We're not talking about <laughs> them because we're doing a Hengi-Yokai episode. <laughs> so you just fucking hold your horses because either we talk about it now or you don't get a Hengi-Yokai show. That's up to you. Sorry. No, it's not. <laughs> we're going to do a Hengi-Yokai no, episode. Yeah, it's, it's up, up to, to me. It's up to us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to say it because otherwise we're going to hear about oh, it. Oh, I know we are. But, you know, uh, I mean, there, yeah, there are levels, different levels of hoops, I think, for every type of, you know, mixed fair game. But, I, I, you know, again, unless you're in a Hondi or in a Hengiokai, I just, I don't, I don't think you should be doing it. Not only that, but in, no, no, because it is, it's Hengiokai, so I can't even say that much. I mean, but those are the exceptions to the rule. Yeah. You can, and I know this is, again, this isn't strictly on topic, but you, you've, welcome to the show. Uh, you know, um, there there are occasionally exceptions that could be made, and I know um, I don't know if we talked about it there. Maybe. Well, you'll find out when I say it. <laughs> um, do you believe this guy, Jason? Um, there, there was a point where uh, you know, a friend of a show, uh, and you know, Mod and our buddy Charybdis. Yeah. You know, I helped him work out a scenario. That would allow a Bastet in a Get Care. Right. To, and I know you and I have talked about it. If we talked about an air, it was like a solid 30 seconds. And years ago. But, you know, we went with the idea that there was this Get of Fenris who had befriended a Bastet in the Amazon, kind of like an enemy mind scenario. Mm-hmm. These things happen. And they fought together against Pentext for, you know, the length of the guy's tour or whatever. But at some point, the, the best dead who had now befriended this get Fenris got fatally wounded. It was a mortal wound. And he says, look, I have a son. Take care of my son. You know, you've, you've become like my brother. Take care of my kid. So what does the get do is he takes the kid and he takes the kid home. He's raising this kid as his son. So, you know, the years go by four or five years later, here's this kid who's living in get civilization and get yeah. society. Yes. And then he turns 13, and oops, now he's a Balam. I was going to say, would he be considered get kinfolk at that point? He would be considered it at that point. It's, you know, it's Klaus's son at that point. After, mm-hmm. like, a few years, right? He's yeah. just accepted as Klaus's kid. Adopted as he may be. Sure. And then, yeah, suddenly he's a he's a kitty cat man. <laughs> and what do you do, right? Because obviously, well, he's a pestet, and you can't have that filth here. But also, that's Klaus's kid. Right. And he's been here how long? Right. We've known him since he was this tall. And so there's an example of how you can make that work. But that is such a rare exception. Right. That, mm, you know? Yeah, it's not a, 
an everyday thing. Right. Which I'm sure you can figure out some kind of way to do it with Rokea. But I mean, again, the hoops you got to jump through. But there's so, yeah, exactly. There's so many more hoops. Well, I mean, you can do it with a very specialized group of Pharah. You know, I could see it happening, say, I'm not going to talk about the Hengeokai. My thought was, you know, to get the the Rokea involved in, in land things, be said it like, say, in South Asia, where you have Mokale, the Naga, and the Rokea, all centered around a river, because the Rokea, you know, the tiger shark, sorry, the bull shark, can adjust its body chemistry to allow itself to swim in fresh water. And the Mokale and the Naga are both water, are river-focused, Bull sharks can swim up the river. They can all deal with issues along that major river, like the Ganges. And in the modern day, there's enough problems with rivers that they would all find some common cause work together. Well, I think that's a really good point. I didn't even consider an angle like that. But then again, if you're talking about the werewolf guy, and there's not a werewolf in that scenario. So... I kind of don't feel bad okay. that I didn't so immediately think the- about it. <laughs> if you want to pull the werewolves in, you've got... Oh, I don't, but please. <laughs> and you've got uh, the the Silver Fang House, The I think the Blood Red Crest is in South Asia. You bring them in. You've got various uh, wild dogs along there, you know, the doles, so you could have Red Talons involved somehow. And that'd be a bit more of a stretch. It's there. But it's still a possibility. Still a possibility. And, and again, yes, there's hoops, but like you're at least making them relevant. Right. Almost relevant. <laughs> no, I, I mean... Relevant enough for a story, I guess. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. I'm just a little irritated that you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you didn't think I'm, about I'm it. I'm your anti-Zooforce candidate, sir. I know. <laughs> So you're bringing up good examples. I just don't like that you're bringing up good examples. You already had the one with the best debt, and that was that's a good example. And it yeah, but makes sense. But it's an extreme rarity, right? And that was kind of my point mm-hmm. to where it's, and I guess yeah, where it's it's possible, but let's not go crazy. You know, that's an example of one dude, one time, and a very specialized example. Mm-hmm. Rather than well, and I'm not saying that you know this is all happy friends get together and save the river. Um, you could definitely have inter internecine conflicts as to how do you do it. What are you? What's the most important threat to to deal with? You know, who's in charge? Who leads this thing? Oh, it should be a disaster. Um, I just right. I think that in the hands of some storytellers, it would be happy fun. You know. Aquatic friends forever. Definitely. Do not get me wrong. It would be super friends, you know, furry super, in this case, scaly super friends. Yeah. No, it, yes. It would have to be handled very, very carefully. Right. Because I think that that soup, first of all, that super friends example, be it scales mm-hmm. or fur or a combination thereof is always a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It, it's not what the game is. Yeah. You know. and, and I agree completely with that. So it's like, if you're going to do it, yeah, handle with extreme care. And especially with the Rokia, because they are so divorced from everything you know, else. Pretty, yeah, everything else. And again, it goes back in there. It says straight up that they do not interact with any of the other changing breeds unless forced to. And even then, 
it's like a little bit of the Mokele, and only because there's like a little bit of like a truce there, and probably because they're the only other pharaoh who's been living that long. Well, and they're practically the same thing. <laughs> Kinda. Gators and shouting, they're both in water. I mean, yeah, one same in thing. water. <laughs> Jesus. Right. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, what an asshole. Yes. But again, they're they're the only other ones who have been living that long. I, we I, lost Casey. Yeah, he I left know. again. He's, he's gone. He's gone. <laughs> fine. Trying to carry it back up. He's like, enough of this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I got him. I got him with the gator shark. Same thing. Right. I I see it as okay. Or like, look, we were tasked to protect the waters. The Mokale were protect. We're tasked to protect the land. But they were tasked to be memory. The guy's memory. I, I, I know what they They're were. They're just there to remember. I'm j- <laughs> Fuck off. What? Unmember? I don't know. I said this, that. I don't know what your turn. No one said that. Yes, you did. It's <laughs> yeah. not even a word, you creep. What are you I, talking yeah, about? Yeah, okay. I know what the Mokale were there for. The Mokale know what they were there for. I see it as that's what Rokea got in their heads. Okay. Okay. That's, that's I, where I see I'm... I, I see. Okay. All right. That, that, that's just my headcanon, I, I think. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Fuck off. This is so bad. Casey, you with us? <laughs> I'm here. No, You've been it's... suspiciously quiet. I don't know how I feel about that. I just... No, trying to recover from the... Of the... Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> back to getting the Rokea involved in things. Um, yeah, you know, I, time. I think part of it was hampered, obviously not being there when the book was being discussed and how it was going to be written. But it, it seems to me, at least, it was very much meant to be a self-contained setting within a setting. Agreed. Intended or not, that's probably the best possible solution. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you. So you know, unfortunately, it did cut out all of the interaction. The, the vast, vast majority of the interaction with the other Farah, and, and didn't quite, like you said, didn't quite give enough setting information to have fully fleshed out setting for a, a storyteller to pick up and run with. You could get there with a lot of research on your own. It could perhaps benefited from a, not that Blood Dim Tides was a bad book. It was hampered by trying to be everything for everyone. The Oceans but it could have benefited from a dedicated, you said, underwater setting book. No, absolutely. It's, again, just the, the vastness of the, the area mm-hmm. alone. If you were going to do it, you know, and obviously they did. So I mean, that, I think it was the way to do it. And it's funny because as we talk about this, right, and not just this, the Rokia, but the entire Ferris series we've been doing, we, we look to these second edition books not because we're we're making a commentary on a, a superior edition so much as that they're the only ones that had the dedicated breed books and everything going forward truncated everything else where you we needed more information and what they did was they shoved all of this stuff into one book so we got vastly less information and it's it's maddening to me yeah like that was one of those decisions that broke my mind it, it's kind of like you know why we didn't why wouldn't you do 20 anniversary breed books or tribe books both you know because people would have spent the money 
Yeah. People easily would have spent them. I, you know, I had about all of them. Yes. I, I don't like half of, I, you know, I still have the books. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, I know what you're saying. But we just, we got less information as time went on. Right. Because, and I think it goes back to, it trumped everything else. It trumped everything behind it. This is all new information, but you're giving new information, but you're only giving small chunks of it and not enough at a time. So you give all those small pieces all at one time and not enough for not enough time to process it all. Well, I think we also, um, in a case like the Rokia book, I think, I think it also, uh, it, it's so foreign, mm-hmm. you know, and again, they're, 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 they're as a society, you know, they're, they're so removed from ours that that couldn't have been easy to write for. No. And I think that also explains some of the odd decisions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, we, we right. hear an awful lot about human civilization for a race that doesn't give a fuck about human civilization. Right. Until they're directly in the water. But there's a lot of details surrounding it that really just could have been truncated into, we don't know what they do up there, but sometimes they come into our territory and it's a fucking problem. And we take care of it. And like the rest of that page space could have been dedicated <laughs> to telling us what life is like there. Right. You could have, it could have been done much more from Rokea's perspective that, like you said, we don't know what's happened, but all of a sudden there's these toxic algal, algal blooms and everything's dying and we've got to figure out what the hell's going on. All of these whales that swam through the ocean, the, the hundred thousand humpback whales that sit, that swam through the ocean 200 years ago are down to hundred. What the hell's going on? Whaling ships, let's sink them. Yeah. Right. But like what you just said was like a third of it. Yeah. It took (laughs) him like three or four pages. Yeah. I was going to say it took him three pages. It in but but there it is. I mean, obviously, obviously, mm-hmm. the sharks are in good hands. No, that wasn't a thing. You mean the waters are in good hands? No, I'm I'm saying that Kaysen's got this shit covered. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Savage Age part of it, got it. Yeah, like you know, if if anyone's going to redeem these ridiculous things, I'm looking. I'm looking at you, Kaysen, and I am confident. That is my goal. That, yeah, that you are going to legitimize them in my mind. If anyone can, I got faith in you, buddy. In snow, we trust. I don't, I know what you're doing, but. <laughs> I was trying to give them some credit. But no, no, I, I, but it's late November, so maybe don't invoke. <laughs> Motherfucker, I, I don't want to shovel. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know what you're doing, and I agree with you, but maybe don't say it like that, because you're going to summon some shit upon us that I don't want to deal with. No, nobody does. <laughs> Remember how late this is going to air, mm-hmm. all right? <laughs> so it's getting close to that time, but before we go, Kaysen, is there anything else that you want to tell us about that you're working on? Anything you want to show for, uh, you, you feel people should be sure. aware of? Um, so after doing the the gigantic player's guide, um, need a little palate cleanser for, for lack of a better term. So I'm working on a series for Savage Age called the Flakes of Flint. They're going to be short little essays dealing with various practical aspects of what it was like to live in the Pleistocene. Interesting. So I'll have one article dealing with um, stone tools, 
one with boats, one on hunting, one on clothing, you know, and um, so there's going to be a, a, an essay on, you know, how the tools were made and, and the impacts on, on culture and who had who used what kinds of tools. And then at the end of everything, we'll we'll always have a little mechanical bit here or there for uh, for the gearheads. So that's my current project. Once I get a couple of those out of the way and, and get my head cleared again for a big project, I'll actually I'll dive into Savage Seas. That's that's excellent. And we're definitely waiting on that one too. Well, and then to we're redeem. and we're very excited for the player's guide. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. Been waiting on this one for a little while. Right. Especially you. I know this is when it's the big one you've been waiting on. Well, you know, ever since I discovered the Savage Age, and it's it's stuff um like these essays cases that you're talking about. Um it's stuff that I want to know. You know, there's a lot to me. I love the setting, I love the idea behind it. I love the potential it has to link up with, with regular world of the apocalypse. Um, you know, all these things, I think there's all this merit, all this potential, all this really cool shit about the Savage Age, but I've always had a problem on a personal level with how you frame some of these stories because we are so divorced from that world. And I am not like a history guy. No. You know, Casey, you start talking about the Pleistocene and like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. (laughs) You may have had a stroke. I don't know. So I need books like this to guide me, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, the Flintstones is only somewhat historically accurate as far as I know. That's my frame right. of reference. Yeah, so I originally intended to, like, write something called The Survival Guide for the Savage Age, which would be, would be another giant book. Like, I don't want people to wait that long, so I'll break it up into, these, into the Flakes of Flint essays, and that way... None of, no one at your table cares about science behind clothing and why you went from simple draped skins to sewn clothing and and effects it has on society and shame and honesty and the transition from body art to clothe art. You don't have to use it. But if that if you're like, hey, what was you know, what were the stone tools that my Neanderthal would be using? can get the the stone tool one and and find out what they looked like and how they were used and things like that. So you can add levels of detail that are relevant to your game without having to buy a giant book that you'll have to wait two years to get. Get these a lot sooner um, because they're shorter. You can add the the levels of detail that you you find relevant. See, and I think that's that's fantastic. And I think that helps someone like me again who isn't it's not necessarily my wheelhouse or my jam it helps guide me and hopefully a lot of other people out there like i know there are people who are interested but intimidated by the savage age yes so i've been kind of championing championing what's <laughs> up, up everybody up. <laughs> porter did not have a stroke i'm on the air what's up i've been a champion for this there we go for this book for a while the savage age uh, the the player's guide because you know, I'm looking at that as something that will help the people who are intimidated to be less so. Right. And that's kind of one of the original reasons we did, we started doing Savage Age stuff. Yeah. We wanted to be that gap, the, that bridge gap, I guess you call the it. The bridge gap, yes. <laughs> I like how I just did that, but I'm <laughs> making I, fun of you. Yeah, I know. So we wanted to be that bridge to help to be able to bring that around full circle, I guess. Because, yeah, especially for us, it was super intimidating for us to look at it, too. But then, like, oh, we can put this on air 
and how do we relate it to what we're doing now? So yeah, that savage player's guide, savage age player's guide. See, I did, I did it. Too. <laughs> I did it. I did yeah. it again. That's that's definitely going to help. Again, it, right. it's yeah, the, something... and, and the player's guide is definitely heavily focused on the fair themselves and like what their cultures were like and and everything in the savage age. And the, the flakes of flint are going to be much less era focused, much more like if you want to run a kinfolk game, too, this would be good for that because it's it. I want to get away from the fair for the flakes, the the shards of flint series, and really have it be practical kind of survival guidey stuff. And again, because yeah. I think we've all got Farah and the spirit world and all of that stuff down pretty solid. That's a pretty much. Yeah. It's it's you know I think it's it's yeah the rest of the world that needs where where the guidance needs to be at that point. But yep. Again, that's it's it's exciting to know you know that that stuff's in the works. And you know uh, we've said before, I'll say it again. In fact, I offered you guys that tagline. You can have it. The future of werewolf is in the past. You guys have plenty of exciting new content, you know, and we're and, excited for it. Right in the potential again to link it to the regular stuff. I mean, I, you guys came about in a time where there was a drought, and it was definitely needed, and I think it still is. And to have such, you know, I mean, we're we're at some point going to do a, a War of Rage episode, and the idea of doing that without mentioning the Savage Age is going to be difficult, right? I remember. You and I were coming up with episode ideas back when, mm-hmm. and we said we need to do a War of Rage episode, and then all of a sudden, you text me and go, I have a better idea. And then, it was just you, it was the interview with Chris Gunning. That became our War of Rage episode. Instead of. Instead yeah. of, yeah. It didn't don't take its place. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess. I guess it techni- kind of did because it's like it it's did. been like two years, so. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get plenty of War of Rage content in the player's guide. Which oh, is exactly no. why we're bringing it up. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But yeah, the idea of I, I almost that's almost two separate episodes to me. Mm-hmm. Because the what we know of the Apocalypse War of Rage canonically, there's not one thing. Well, yeah, but I mean putting that episode together is going to be difficult with the information we're given. And then you True. look at the the War of Rage is given to us the Savage Age and it's She's just way better. There's just so much. There's just so much cool shit there. Yeah, and yes, it's not canon, but it is here. It is at this table. I was gonna say at this table, we're taking it. I love hearing that from people that they treat it as good as anything Onyx Path puts out. Because I am by no means a professional writer, so the the chance of working at this stuff is just kind of a fan dream come true. That's awesome, man. We're so we're glad we can help with yeah, that. We're a hundred percent supporters at this point. Yeah, I mean, as far as providing, mean, you know, you wrote a thing and you got paid. So I think you're a professional writer now. Yeah, you, you can say that. Yeah, technically, if you're getting paid for writing a thing, it makes you a writer. And you know, if you, if you don't, then I'm just only going to introduce you as professional writer Case of Snow from this moment on. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess take that. I, I'm. <laughs> I showed you. Yes, I'm. I hang my head in shame. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's going to have to stay there because it is actually now it is time for us to go. <laughs> Very Jason, good. Thank you so much for joining us. It's it's a blast having you back. It's it's great to be back, and as I say, anytime, more than happy to be here. 
that's that is great. We yeah. we got more fare to come, and we have, we're going to need some help. So, <laughs> <laughs> always a pleasure, Casey. Absolutely. All right, you uh, you have a good one. And, yeah, you too. Uh, in the meantime, uh, on behalf of uh, professional writer Casey Snow, Daniel Dirtwalker Tyson, and myself, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for all your support, everything you do. It means the world to us. I want you to take care of yourselves, take care of each other, keep your claws sharp, your head in a swivel. We'll see you. I know what I'm about to do is really stupid, but I have to say it. Oh, it's like it's just, it's out of my hands. God damn it. (laughs)